0: Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Don't Take My Word For It, where I aim to share from my heart some of the things I have recently learned from scripture studying. And the main mission is to encourage and motivate you or to challenge you, because challenge is important for growth. And ultimately, my desire is that you will go home and take some short bursts of time to dive deeper into some of the other scripture reading i've provided or your own the point is to have personal study time and to don't take anybody's word for it not your pastor's not mine but go straight to the word of god and figure out what the truth is so i hope you're excited i'm super excited um for some of the things we're gonna be talking about today The episode is about Luke 9 and we're only going to be tackling verses 1 through 9 and I'm gonna give some side reading to add to have you ever wondered what people actually wore in bible times and if what you see on tv is actually what they wore I ask myself these questions about little details like that all the time, and I was studying some definitions regarding some of the words that come up in the scripture reading we're going to have later on, and I found out some interesting stuff, and I would like for you to check it out yourself, because there's a lot more pieces that go into this. I'm just really superficially touching the surface about this, and I thought it was really cool. And I'm gonna talk about two. Two pieces of clothing, and they are Greek words. One is the Keton, the other is the himation. And I may be butchering the Greek, so excuse me if I am. Keton was considered the inner garment, inner vestment, undergarment, whatever you wanna call it. And himation was the outer cloak. There were different outer cloaks and colors depending on your status. Uh, Different names for different styles, I suppose. And there were belts and other things if you were a soldier. But basically, you had a kiton and you had a kimatian. The kiton, the inner garment, was made without a seam. It was woven from top to bottom. And what was interesting about this is I read a comment in the dictionary I was using it is the uh Vines expository dictionary. I got it for free on an app. You can probably find that and just or do a deep dive in the internet about all the different layers. And what's interesting is that uh, because this was made without a seam, somebody commented in this dictionary that the reason why the Roman soldiers had to cast lots for Jesus' clothes because you know it's considered that he was crucified naked was because this undergarment had no seams, so it couldn't be split, it had to be they had to cast a lot and then divided uh whoever won would get the garment. Um And interestingly, for Jews, I don't know if it was like this for other Gentiles, but for Jews, if you were in your keton, your inner garment, you were considered naked. Um, And I'm not sure if that happened for other locations, but for the Jews, as far as I know, they were considered to be naked. And this is why uh there's a, another bible story where peter is fishing and it says he, he puts on his cloak because jesus is, i think jesus is approaching and he was working so he it was okay for him to be in his kitan. so he wasn't actually naked he was probably wearing this piece of clothing and i thought that was so cool because i did not know that actually another thing that you might find inter- interesting is that for fishermen that outer cloak was called ependutus, ependutis and that was the fisherman's sorry fisherman's version of the upper garment or what they put on top of the under one so pretty cool huh Our scripture for today is Luke 9, from verse 1 through 9. And I'm going to read it, do some pauses, and then we'll dive into it. It starts like this Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves. Nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. We're going to talk about some of the definitions of these words. And whatsoever house ye enter into, there abide, and thence depart. Verse 5 And whosoever will not receive you when ye go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed, because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. There is some history here, and we'll dive into that too. Verse 8. And some that Elias had appeared, and of others, that one of the old prophets was risen again. And Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. All right, let's get straight to it. So verses one to two, Jesus gathers his 12 disciples and he vests them with power and authority from God to do some pretty crazy stuff. They had authority over devils or demons or entities, whatever you want to call them, and to cure diseases. And their mission was to go and preach the gospel and and go cure people. Uh, And after that, verses 3 to 4, things start to get interesting. Not that verses 1 and 2 aren't interesting, because I think it's... uh, Pretty cool that they had such wonderful power. Which by the way is power that if you are saved. And you have the Holy Spirit. Is something that God has given you as well. You have authority over dark entities. And um, the power of healing really depends on God's will. And I am not somebody that knows a whole lot about that. But I do believe in... The Holy Ghost and His Spirit and God giving us power to do things that we can't even imagine. Um, But verses 3 to 4 is where I I started to get really introspecting. If that's how you say it in English. Um, Because it says, take nothing for your journey. But then he gets really specific because, you know, if, if somebody tells me, we're going on a trip, take nothing with you. I'll be like, okay, I'm not taking the big, the big suitcase. I'm taking the little one. <laughs> but that's not what he was telling them. He was saying, no, you don't understand. Nothing as in, not your staves, not your script, not your bread or your money. And you don't even get changes of clothes. And let's talk a little bit about what those words mean. Because I, for one, didn't know what two of them meant. So staves was a word that I had never heard before. Maybe you have. If your main language is English. But a stave is a staff or a rod. And that could be an episode in and of itself. If you like learning about nuances like that that's something you can look into what is the difference between a staff and a rod and what the purposes were specifically for shepherds i think there were other reasons why people used them when they were traveling but that was kind of a cool tangent i went into and but i won't do that today if you're interested go look it up um another word that it uses here is script so, scrip is another word for wallet. The Greek word that it stems from is called peira. Or it's pronounced, I guess, pera. It's P-E-R-A. If you have the Vines Expository Dictionary, you can look it up under scrip. It should show up. And it it's not wallet like we know the wallet today. It was a sack where you put your belongings in for traveling. So, no backpacks for them. Um, another thing he says in the verse here is, nor bread, so no food, no rations, neither money, so they can take their savings with them. Um, and neither have two coats apiece. Two coats apiece means uh, you don't get a change of clothes to take with you. And the word coat comes from the word the greek word ependutis if you look at it in the dictionary i talked to you about by the way this is not sponsored at all this is just a tool i use vines expository dictionary i'm sure there are other tools you could use that's just the one i use Um, but the coat the word they were using there is ependutis which is the fisherman's upper garment that we kind of talked about earlier and so they only got one. <laughs> you don't get to change clothes. And I think it's important. Part of the week's exercise is take a minute and think about why. If you've been a Christian for a long time. And you've studied a lot on your own. The answer will come to you quickly. But if you're new in this, you it may not naturally come to you. One of the main reasons I think Jesus was doing this. And I think... The more obvious one is probably that he was trying to train them to rely and trust on the provision that God would give them. And they weren't quite used to that yet. I mean, we we see story after story before this occasion where we're at right now, where they had seen a, a lot of glorious things happen, but they were still scared. And they were with Jesus. And so what were they going to do when Jesus was gone? They had to learn how to do all these things on their own and not rely on and be anxious for provision and for what they were going to eat and what they were wearing because those things were not important. Jesus wanted to get them to a point where they could just trust that everything that they needed would be provided for. And that sounds really easy to say but i think we don't quite fathom the uh the difficulty it would take for someone living now right in the united states with all of the things that we have and all the accessibilities and and uh, commodities we have uh i don't think we quite understand what they were being asked to do i think it was maybe customarily easier for them because they weren't as attached to their things, but humans are humans, and I still think that was difficult because leaving your livelihood meant more risk then than it does now. Even though they might have been used to more risk. Uh it it was still I am sure pretty pretty daunting. Um there may be other reasons why you know each each independent thing and that's something that you can meditate on i don't want to stretch this segment more but think about that think about why the specific things why why no defense why why you don't get a staff to help support your tired legs why why couldn't they take their own money and and evaluate what that implies and how that would affect your life if you were asked to do something like that. Um, What are the things you're giving up? What is the part of yourself that would be dying? And I think it's a very interesting introspection uh, exercise. And I've tried to do it. I still have to work a lot on it. Um, Yeah, I think there's more to be gotten out of this section, but... I'll leave that up to you. Now off to verse 4. Basically, he told them whatever house you go into, abide there, and then depart. So basically, stay as long as you are welcome, and when things start to feel like you have overstayed your welcome, then it's time for you to leave. Um, So they were to live out of people's... Charity, basically. They weren't just abiding there. They were probably trusting for them to be fed. Um, Which I believe was pretty normal back then. Um, And then verse 5 goes into what to do when people don't like you. (laughs) And Jesus told them, if somebody won't receive you, Then leave that city and shake the very dust off your feet. And how can we apply this personally? So the context here, of course, for the disciples is when people don't want to hear the message you have and they don't want to grant you stay, then when you leave the city, just... Forget it. Put it behind you. And don't bother them anymore. Because in my grace, I gave them the opportunity. They don't want them. I'm not going to force them. But we can apply this personally in a different context. Right? Everybody has at least somebody that they are very aware that perhaps they don't like you. Um... Or that you struggle with personality wise, or they don't like the way you do things. Um, and so meditate on what this word or this verse how you can apply it to something like that. Um, the answer seems obvious, but I think everybody has different situations they're in, and God can speak differently to everybody and very personal to everybody. So, if someone is not receiving you and they don't like you, and this is not regarding uh I'm not talking about they don't like you because there are there's personal responsibility, right? If there are things that you do that you should not be doing and that you know that aggravate other people, like being a slob, or being late, or shoving off your responsibility to others. Obviously, they're not going to like you. And that's probably something you need to work on. I'm talking about plain and simple. They don't like the way you operate naturally, your personality. Um, And there are things we can work on, but there are other things that this is just who I am. And I pray God gives you wisdom and that you can maturely decide whether it's one or the other. Um, right? Think about that. Um, because if there's something you need to change, again, change it. But if not, if somebody doesn't receive you, they don't like you, they treat you poorly, you shake it off. Alright. Verse 6 basically just says that they actually went out in their groups and they preached the gospel and did healing everywhere. So we can assume that this was for a fair amount of time and they went to a bunch of different cities. I'm not really sure where they went, but you can check it out if you want. Verses 7 through 9, we get introduced to Herod and he had been hearing about what Jesus and his disciples were doing. And he was a little perplexed. This is the word that they use here. I'm using a King James Version. It may be different in the version of the Bible you have. It's always important or interesting to look up definitions and figure out the undertones of things. I didn't specifically for this word, but I detect, you know, it's probably confusion or there's also some fear in there. Um, And this is because there's history between somebody that came... Before Jesus. And so a little bit further we see that some were saying that this was John the Baptist risen from the dead. He had recently decapitated John the Baptist. And he didn't want to. Because he had some sort of fear of the things that John the Baptist could do you want to read the parallel accounts look up Matthew 14 around verse 2 I think and then Mark 6 around verse 16 and in Matthew is the story of how all this happens basically the reason why Herod had a thing with John the Baptist it was like a mixture of fear and I don't like you is because he confronted John the Baptist. Uh he sorry, he confronted Herod about the wife he has he had recently married. It used to be his brother's wife, and that wasn't lawful. And he gets kind of tricked into beheading John the Baptist. And if you want to know more, read those passages again. Matthew 14 2 to Verse 12, you'll find that account, and you can find it in Mark as well. But going back to Luke, sorry, my pages are making noise. Um, Verses 8 and 9, we're talking about other things people were confusing Jesus for, right? Because nobody would take that he was just the Messiah. They were attaching new names to him. They were saying he was John, or he was Elias, or he was some other prophet that had come back to life. Which, to me, I mean, it would make more sense to believe that this is just the Messiah that's going to redeem us than to believe that some guy rose from the dead. But here we are. Uh, and then verse 9, he asks himself, you know, I I know for a fact that that guy's head well, than on a platter. I saw it. So who is this? I'm hearing a lot of things about him. He can do all these wonderful things. and And so he desired to see him. And something that I think is kind of interesting and could warrant some extra study if you are interested is that Herod actually gets to see Jesus later on. And. Well. Let's take a step back. If you go forward. And look at Luke 13.31. The Pharisees actually warn Jesus. That Herod wants him dead. And Jesus moves from where he's at later. Taking what they say is. At face value. We don't really know. God. Jesus knew their hearts. Maybe they weren't really trying to warn him. That Herod actually wanted to kill him. And they just wanted him to leave. We don't really know that. I encourage you to read that passage yourself. And discern that. Um, but certainly it, it does... Highlight that there was a heightened interest of Herod to figure out who this Jesus guy was because it's still being talked about a few chapters forward. And then when you fast forward to Luke 23, verses 7 to 12, he actually gets to see Jesus. And when you read the account in summary, Herod was really happy to see Jesus. He wanted to see a miracle done. And he kept, you know, prodding Jesus about these things. But Jesus did not speak to him. Not a single word. And because Jesus didn't speak and do anything, he was accused, mocked, and basically made a sport out of. And, I mean, this guy was, had very poor taste. He he didn't care much for the, uh religious leaders of the day and so he made fun of Jesus and the leaders because these people had a serious thought Jesus was a serious threat and this guy basically thought that this was a big fat joke and so he dressed him up and ridiculed him but he was also ridiculing the religious leaders and uh w- uh an important thing that you can meditate on is why did Jesus not speak when he sees Herod? And I know this is a little bit aside from our actual reading, but it might be a good study thing for you. Why did Jesus not speak? One of the things is to fulfill prophecy. Isaiah 53, 7 to 8, basically prophesied that he would be oppressed and afflicted and he would open not his mouth. So that is one reason but you can meditate on that on your own and maybe come up with more reasons why Jesus would have wanted to stay quiet. What kind of guy was Herod? What kind of things was he known for? He he joked about him. What what things did he do do to John the Baptist? Uh, what was his life like? And why would Jesus want to keep quiet in front of a guy like that? So in essence, there are a few take home things. You can do for yourself. One of them is read the parallel accounts of this scripture reading, Matthew 10, 1 through 15, Mark 6, verse 7 through 13. I believe I made a mistake in an earlier part. So it's actually Mark 6, verse 7 to 13. Also, look into definitions of words that you think seem interesting or could mean something else. Look into finding either a concordance or an app like the one I shared that I use, the Vines Expository Dictionary. And it will help you get more meaning out of things. A few things you can ask yourself, we talked about today. One, what are you trusting God on? Where is God challenging you right now to let go control Is it finances? Is it sickness? Is it something you're holding on to that God wants you to let go? Wherever it is, meditate on those things and think about that specific verse number three and how he wanted his disciples to travel and apply it in your context to your life right now. Another good question is... Has God asked me to do something and just obey without being ready for it? And what I mean is, has God put something in my heart to do that keeps coming up? And I'm like, well, I don't have this or that. Or I don't have enough practice in this. Or I don't have the right equipment. Or I haven't gone to school for it. And that was something I was challenged with personally. I have never done a podcast. I don't have the equipment. I'm learning, but God wants to use me as I am and he will lead me to do the things he wants me to do. And instead of us asking all the time, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? I think sometimes he just puts something in your heart and he tells you, go along with it. You don't have everything you need right now. But go along with it. So think about that. Is God asking you to do something right now? Like he was asking his disciples to do. What baggage are you trying to take with you that he doesn't want you to take and doesn't care for you to have? The last question, and maybe the most important question is... Do you need to dust off your sandals in regards to somebody? Has somebody made it very openly visible and understandable that they do not like you and that they intend to act accordingly and perhaps have hurt your feelings and made life difficult for you? In the context of your work or your family, not the context that was happening for the disciples, right? For, for them, it was more rejection of the word of God, which can certainly happen in your job or with your family as well. Evaluate it in both contexts. Is anybody rejecting you because of what you believe? Is anybody rejecting you because of just you? You? They don't even know what you believe. They just don't like you and they're making your life difficult. Or they're being hurtful towards you. Do you need to have time to forgive these people? And dust off your feet and walk off? Do you have to place any boundaries with some people? It's important to think about these things. So meditate on that. I hope that this encourages you, that the parallel we're reading is something that will nourish what I have talked about here, um, and I hope the questions make you think deeper and apply it to your specific situation, both in the context of what we were reading and in the context of your life pray for God to guide you in whatever parts of these questions or readings you are going to take up as a challenge, right? Because I want you to go and read these parallel accounts and look at the definitions and meditate on these same things, but looking at it from somebody else's account, not just Luke's, right? There may be other things you're going to get out of this. And I'm really excited for you. I really hope that you do take up the challenge and look at definitions and read the parallel accounts. And I'm excited for, for you to come back next week for the next episode. And hopefully you will learn even more along with me. And remember, don't take my word for it. hi again i wanted to really quickly just thank you for hanging in there on my first episode i realized that there are some editing things and structural order of things and organization that uh needs to be worked on um rest assured that each each release uh it will get a little bit better so have patience with me but uh Just try to focus on the more important part, which is not anything I do, but the message itself. So thanks again for your patience, and I look forward to seeing you again.